Hi, you're listening to Artspin um, on Sin Nation with myself, Christian, this afternoon. So I'm very excited to uh, be joined at the moment on the phone by um, Ted Gott, the international curator of the National Gallery of Victoria, who recently, of course, uh, announced their very exciting Van Gogh and the Seasons exhibition, or Van Gogh, or should we try like a Van Gogh, um, or what the Dutch, original Dutch if pronunciation? You want to, if you want to be uh, a yeah. good Dutch pronunciation, I think it is Van Gogh. Yeah, that's uh, true. But Van Gogh and Van Gogh are also absolutely fine. Anglicised versions. <laughs> Anglicised um, versions, yeah. So, yeah, definitely very, very exciting. I, I know um, there are quite a few pieces in this that I heard were rather tricky to get, and um, I don't think the NGV fully believed that they would actually get them. There's um, Wheatfield, I had uh, Wheatfield with Cypresses, I believe, the one from yes, the National Gallery yes. of London. Was... One of his greatest paintings mm. done in Saint-Rémy uh, in September 1889, a little over nine months before his untimely death at the age of 37. Oh, wow, okay. That was, so that would have been one of his last, I believe, or, or his last? Well, it's among his last, yes. Mm. The last three years of his life were the most creative and exciting for Van Gogh. He uh, had started training to be an artist only at the age of 27. He, first of all, worked as an apprentice in an art reproduction sales business called Goupil & Company uh, at the age of 16, then he became a school teacher briefly in England. Then, being deeply religious, the son of a Protestant pastor himself and religious since his childhood, he decided to become a preacher, then a missionary. And then finally, at 27, still looking for his path in life, he decided that he could best serve God by depicting uh, the world that his God had created. He always associated nature with the divine creation of God that was passed down to him by his father. So he felt that by being an artist and depicting nature and the seasons in particular, he would be actually be bringing the word of God to the audiences that would look at his art. Oh, I see. So, um, yes, because I, I've heard that the four seasons, but they do represent the four stages of, of life in his That's works. right. Yes, and he yeah. sees them very much as being, you know, birth, youth, uh, maturity or middle age and old age being, of course, uh, spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Mm. And he also associated the seasons with the cycle of the harvest, the growing of food, food nurturing humanity, and so God creating the harvest and food in order to feed the humanity that uh, Van Gogh believed firmly that God had created. So there's a very interesting link between religious worship and the study of the nature in Van Gogh's art. Later on, he actually loses his faith a bit, and turns away from strict adherence to this Protestant link between God and nature, but he still reveres the primal forces and the life-giving forces of nature and the cycles of food growing, which become primary topics in his art. So grape harvest, olive picking, cutting of wheat, which of course makes bread, the basic stuff of all life on earth, are inherent to his depictions of nature and the season. Oh, wow. So, that, yeah, that's, that's really interesting that he still um, uh, retained that connection with nature, even, even if um, his faith might have waned in a little bit of that way. So is that, do you think that was in, like, maybe in a romantic sense, or in, in what kind of, where, where did he really sit in terms of art movement? So I've heard post-impressionism, but his, in terms of his connection with nature, do you think there was a certain... School? I think he is, yeah, he's quite individual. So in his early years, uh, so 
you know, it's really strange to talk about early and late years when it's only a 10-year career as an artist. <laughs> yeah. But in his late 20s, he's mm. deeply interested in 17th century Dutch landscape painting and also the art of Rembrandt and also the first outdoor painters in France called the Barbizon School. So Jules Breton, uh, Léon Lermite, um, and in particular Jean-François Millet. And they had all both their works and the works of 17th century Dutch landscape artists were pretty much autumnal coloured. And he liked their uses of browns and blacks and sombre gentle colours, which matched his experience of nature in the north of Holland, where there really is not a great deal of sunlight. And it's when he comes south to Paris, only in 1886, at the age of 33, that he finds colour. And his brother Theo, who's an art dealer in Paris, has been writing to him to make your work more colourful, it will sell better. And uh, he writes back saying, no, I love Rembrandt, and why should I change the gorgeous tonalities of Rembrandt? But in Paris, he discovers the works of the Impressionists, so Claude Monet, Camille Pissarro. Uh, he discovers the Neo-Impressionists. When he arrives in 1886, it's the year that Seurat emerges at the last Group Impressionist exhibition, and he has a room of his own, and he shows the enormous painting Sunday on, a, on the island of the Grand Jatte, the great Neo-Impressionist masterpiece. And uh, there is now a division between Impressionists and Neo-Impressionists, the latter using uh, even brighter colour and applying their little dabs or dots of colour side by side and encouraging the viewer to mix them in the eye from standing back a certain distance from the works. Van Gogh doesn't really make a distinction between the two because he's never seen either. But what he takes from both Impressionism and Neo-Impressionism is a much more open and vigorous and flickering brushstroke and a much brighter palette. And he's also exploring the incredibly brilliant use of Japanese prints in Paris. So there's a lot going on. It takes about a year in Paris. The first year there, 86, he's absorbing everything. And then in 1887, he goes into a solid year of doing his own Impressionist and Neo-Impressionist and brightly colored paintings. And then in 1888, the beginning of that year, he moves to the south of France, to Arles, in the Mediterranean part of France, saying that he wants to uh, get away from the misty skies of the north and to discover a country that has very little cloud and mist and that he thinks is going to be hot and brilliantly coloured like Japanese prints. And it's there that he abandons, really, his experiments with both Impressionism and Neo-Impressionism and then just applies his own use of colour, his own sense of feeling in his uh, draftsmanship and his brushstrokes and that's when in those last three years, 1888, 89, and the first half of 1890, you get the classic Van Gogh that we all instantly recognise as the sort of artist's handwriting that no one else could have done that. That's a Van Gogh. And it's an extraordinarily creative period, just two and a half years, cut short very sadly by his untimely death in the middle of 1890. Mm, definitely. And um, gosh, and it sounds really interesting that um, it's almost as though he's... Like his, his life, as in his, his life specifically, or his, his life as a painter, his 10 years can kind of be described in that sort of, not sure if it's four seasons, but sort of arranged like periods, uh, stages by the weather, not necessarily in the same order, but... Yes, yeah. yes. No, look, that, that's a very interesting analogy. And you could say that, that um, when he first starts to become an artist at 27, that's his autumn, and he's yeah. excited and energised. Then it's true, he goes through 
a depressing slump in his art because he's not selling anything, he can't get anyone interested. And around about 1884, 85, he gets quite dark and introverted in his art. That's his winter. Then when he arrives in Paris in 1886, at 33, that's his spring, as he discovers brighter colours, Japanese prints, the world of Monet, Seurat, Signac, Pissarro, all the great Impressionist and New Impressionist painters. And then when he moves to the south of France, that's his summer, when his work becomes incandescent. And the great summer pictures of wheat fields and with cypresses and harvesting become a primary subject. So he has a very good analogy with his own life. Yeah, so is, would you say this exhibition uh, would be arranged in that way? Though I know, oh, you, you also touched on um, one of the letters, like a correspondence between him and his brother, and I understand you, um, you also have looked to Van Gogh's letters in creating this exhibition. Oh, um, yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, and he's extraordinary as an artist because he is an incredibly intelligent man. He's multilingual. He's fluent in Dutch, French, English, and German, and writes in all those languages and reads all those languages. Uh, he is an incredible devourer of literature of all types, philosophical, uh, religious, novels, scientific treatises, history, and he's a great letter writer. And his brother Theo moves to Paris early on in his career and works in an art dealership there for his whole life. Vincent, apart from the two years he lives with his brother in Paris in 86-87, lives in Holland, in England, and then in the south of France, and he writes often daily, certainly weekly, to his brother. So there's this extraordinary corpus of some 800 letters from Vincent to Theo, as well as hundreds of other letters from Vincent to his sisters, to his mother, and to other artists he befriends throughout his career. So there are you know, over a 1,000 letters written by Vincent van Gogh, in which he does sketches of the works he's thinking about, the paintings that he's halfway through, and he talks about his theories of art, his theories of colour, his struggles to make his draftsmanship better and to express his personal vision in his art. So we have this incredible, almost diaristic, day-by-day account of him as a creative person, which is a really unique thing to have for any artist and a totally unique thing to have for an artist working in the 1880s and 1890s. Mm, Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chad, and for your insights into um, Van Gogh's life and work. And yeah, can't wait to see the exhibition. So it starts on the 28th of April um, next year, and it runs until the 9th of July at the National Gallery of Victoria. So yes, thank you so much. And um, a pleasure. And uh, yes, can't wait to see the exhibition. And I hope you can tell from the enthusiasm in my voice (laughs) that uh, we can't wait for this show to come either. You know, to have to have one Vincent Van Gogh or Van Gogh. work is incredible enough but to have dozens of them in the one exhibition is just going to be extraordinary of course so exciting um thank you so much